I guess it's worth saying that all of this that happened in the cut were picked up from Ezra and what they told me after. If any of it seems easier than the rest, blame it on my second-hand accounting. While the jubilant tussled with the phantoms of that city refracted, we were doing what we could to hold the revolution intact. The fury of the great families and their council hadn't eased or faltered. They came and they came and they tore at what we had. With hateful eyes, they looked on our bright-dyed banners and did all they could to dull their hue. They meant to render us in their monochrome. Those days had their own kind of airs. Weeks fogged with exhaustion, desperately trying to hold the freeing canvas of our revolution together. We shed all that we had just to cling onto our last bit of hope. We bruised under their fists, wavered in the face of their tyranny. But while we fought for the right to weave our own fates, the jubilant stood defiant against the agents of aggression. The cut has always been the domain of the dead and the ghostly, weighed down by the heft of what came before. The labyrinth echoes with a siren song of glory's past. Welcome to These Flimsy Rituals, an actual play podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today is Thryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn, and you can find me on Twitter at Thryn. Ryan Evans. Hey, I'm Ryan, and you can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Ziz, and you can find me on Twitter at Games. Steve Martin. Hey, I'm Steve. I'm on Twitter at Purple underscore Steve. And Beck Mihalik. Hi, I'm Beck, and you can find me on Twitter at R underscore Mihalik. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can follow me on Twitter at @tdixon. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. As always, all of the music used in this season is from Satin by Kai Engel. And today we are going to be continuing our game of Blade in the Dark by John Harper. With the crew all back together. So, Oaken, just to recap from the end of the last episode with you and Nate, you're in Winter's Lodge this kind of halfway house safe space within the cut, and you had been pulled here by Mel. After you'd arrived here, you'd found that the Winter's Lodge was under attack. There was something at the heart of it, which we called the Gaul, that was kind of being coveted by a range of different factions and people. Mel was one of them, which is why Mel was here, and I think the other faction we kind of saw was the faction of Lilium, who is maybe one of Kadroya's envoys, though we're not entirely sure about that. And we spent a little bit of the episode with you and Nate kind of exploring Lilium's attack on Winter's Lodge. I think we saw a few different moments in that attack, 
we saw the kind of strange pact of the umbral provenders and some of the ministers who were attacking through the inverted temple, who seemed to be working with Lilium. And I think we saw in the other episode that Galena is involved in that. We also saw the two missing worms from the ground itself episodes turn up. And lastly, in the strange gardens and alcoves outside of the lodge, we saw Lilium themselves. This great, almost Escher-like centipede who could break off parts of their body to kind of, I think, dealt with Mel pretty quickly, or whatever Mel sent. But away from all of that, away from the siege itself, Oaken was having kind of a different time inside, right? If I remember correctly, like, Oaken assumed that he'd leapt forward through time again. Yeah, but he knows differently now. And yeah, we ended with you reaching the goal with the intent of destroying it so that no one else could get their hands on it, and then realising that you wanted to protect it. And I think we saw Oaken take the goal themselves into their sort of honey arm. Yeah, it it kind of went into their arm and into the hollow in their body. Yeah, so the goal is inside Oaken now. I do not know what that means, but we're, I'm sure we're going to find out. And that wasn't the only thing, because I think Mel did the same thing. Yes, yeah, the bee. I'm not sure the extent to which Oaken knows that Mel has done that, and maybe that's something we can figure out as we play. But kind of importantly, when Mel crawled into the honey arm, she cut all consciousness to all of the parts of herself. And I think where we closed is with Soka, one of Mel's first servants in the city. And she was walking towards you, knife in hand. And then, like, a step away from you, as Mel cut her consciousness, Soka just collapses. So, how is Oaken doing? <laughs> not, not super great at the moment. He's confused and a bit directionless, maybe. It feels like there are there are so many people who want different things from him. Yeah. He can feel himself being manipulated, but he doesn't know how to break out of it. Or if he even wants to. I think this thing with Soka is quite affecting Broken as well. And it's it's not Soka trying to kill him. That's like such a clear intent he almost appreciates that. <laughs> he he knows what's going on there. Yeah. It's suddenly there's all these questions that he wants to ask of them that he can't. Yeah. You know, before he was just brushing them off, but now, now they're gone, that's it. Yeah. And we probably have like this nice moment where we see Soka fall and the dagger just sort of skid across the floor and just tap you on the boot almost. <sighs> yeah. How does Oaken react? What like what do we see Oaken do? Or does he just look? I think he might do something a bit uncharacteristic and go over to Soka and maybe brush the hair out of their face and close their eyelids. It's maybe as you're doing this that everyone Eves shows up. We probably get the sense that they've been hurrying here. Of all of the people in Winter's Lodge, everyone 
is probably most in tune with it and probably has a sense that something big has happened. And one of the things I like the idea of is we had that glimpse of the snow swirling as you arrived. I, I don't think that necessarily stops. It's almost a little bit as if you are at the centre of the snow now, and maybe this is how everyone has found you. I think they stop in the doorway, and they hesitate for a second, watching you sort of nail over Soka, and then, and then they sort of, like, shuffle forward again. Oaken, uh, are you okay? Physically, yeah. Not hurt. I think they almost, like, there's a moment where they remember who they're talking to, and <laughs> instead of asking you this, they just say, like, tell me what happened. I reached the goal. The goal is safe. That's all you need to know. And? And nothing. That, that was it. I thought something would happen, but it looks like everything's still standing. I'm thankful for that, at least. They look a bit cagey, but not in like a they're trying to mislead you sort of way. But like, there's a part of them that would rather know where it is. But I think they just sort of nod and go, I'm here if you need help with any of it. I've been here for 30 years. I know how all of this stuff works. How does it all work then? It's been 30 years and look where you are now. For most of that time, we have been safe at for hundreds of years, we have been safe. The people who built this before me. This has been a place of safety and community and sanctuary for so many. We work with people here to find a new path forward for them. It would be errant of me to presume that that same rebuilding, that same change wouldn't come to the lodge itself. This lodge is important. If you want to know my stake in this, it's finding a way to keep the work going, whatever form that takes. Okay, Oaken, Oaken is not going to say this, but like, mm. oh, it sounds like you need a hero. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, not saying it is real character development. That's a huge amount of personal growth. <laughs> yeah, we're all very proud of him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe he'll say... I can't claim to understand it, but I've got a connection to here too now. I think he does He does feel some connection with it, which is part mm. emotional and a lot like maybe the bee inside him. Yep. I don't know if he'd quite go to the bee like, I'm yours, <laughs> tell me what to do kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like if Oaken doesn't really say much more here, like the thing that everyone will probably offer is like, do you want help understanding it? It'll be a little while before the others find you here. We can talk it through. If I understand it, then I might care. I think Oaken's just going to have a little emotional breakdown. Just like a little one. <laughs> Looking concerned, her light tremble. Mm. I wonder if Oaken could maybe lead everyone up to the top of the lodge to see it all, to get some perspective. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. Does Oaken just know the way? Yeah. <laughs> mm. I, I like the image of 
I think Oaken going to the top of the lodge probably takes much less time than we've established it would. I, I imagine the Winter's Lodge is huge, and mm. it just seems to be like a couple of flights of stairs for Oaken. Because I think the image I want to sort of like paint here is just the lodge reforms itself around you. So if you want to be at the top of the lodge, it makes you near the top of the lodge. Yeah. What is the top of the lodge like for Oaken? Maybe this particular bit, this balcony roof, didn't really exist before. But Oaken wanted it to be there and it's kind of formed. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Yeah. How much does this balcony bit resemble the tower that Oaken was in? Ooh, oh, damn. That was really good. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think it does resemble the tower where Oaken has spent a very large portion of his life. Is it too cheesy to be like, but without the bars on the windows? I quite like that. Yeah. Why not? So, I guess I'm wondering what does Oaken see now he's up here. So what I'm trying to work out is, like, do you look down from this tower and you're looking down, like, how we would from a tower and it's just like, there is the floor below you? Or is it weirder than that? The lodge has reassembled itself so that you can understand it easily so it can be like oh and there's the gardens and there are the hot springs and it's like oh the gardens are above me and the hot springs are to my left oh it's gotta be weird okay cool like you can see all of these things that are nowhere near each other but somehow it just makes sense that you can yeah is there anything in particular that oaken is looking at I think really just the idea of being able to see the whole of the lodge with all its intricacy and everything depending on each other is the point, being able to see these links. That's really nice. So I sort of like the idea of this tower, the room you're standing in, is right now the very centre of the lodge and everything else is just kind of wrapped around it. The other thing that I will mention here is I think it's also the centre of all the snow. All of the snow is falling to the hollow in your body constantly. Ooh, okay. Because I think we we said it was all falling to the goal before, and I think it's still doing that. And yeah, regardless of where you go in the Winter's Lodge, you are always in the middle. <laughs> I think as we're like having the scene... We see bits of the siege, but I imagine like Oaken kind of just glosses over these if he's looking for something else. Like, you know, we, we see a scene of the inverted temple and the provenders no longer under attack, moving towards the lodge itself. And we see the worms in the hot springs still driving forward through the walls. Like maybe there's a there's a moment where they pause, but almost as if they're terrified of something behind them, they continue to bore through the walls towards the lodge. And we probably see the same in in the temple garden where Lilium was. I think we see them come back together, the different segments joining back onto each other. And Lilium seems to just take a few moments to work out what's going on and to direct their forces. I think 
this is the point where Oaken looks out over it all, turns to everyone and says, I want to understand. Help me. So the detail I just remembered about everyone is everyone has, is it eight pairs of eyes? Oh, sick. I think they have four pairs of eyes. Four pairs of eyes, eight eyes, yeah. And they've got this really complex array of glasses that each of them has a lens. And you maybe see them sort of almost blink. I think they blink a pair of eyes at a time, almost in like a wave. And then they nod. And is there any furniture in this room? I didn't imagine any, but there can be. No, I think if there's not, they might just sit on like the balcony wall, which I quite like them just perched on the edge looking at you. I think everyone looks at you and says, I know how your ritual works. The tenders. I spent enough time down here to get a sense of what it is you do to connect to Radella. How you got your name, Jackals. What did they tell you about the thing that you ate? What did they tell you about the heart? It's a piece of the remnant. It's their power. It's our way of honouring them. But it didn't really feel like there was much honour in it. I think everyone is maybe a little bit taken back by that there. There's less reverence than they kind of expected from you, which is interesting. And I think everyone pauses for a second and then is like, I'm sure you already know this story. How Embrace became Embrace. How it changed from the whirlpool of Alamaya into this. Kadroya was here. Then Rodella came and they fought. And an envoy of Kadroya and Rodella worked with Karnim Daker, the founder of the Tenders, and, and Rodella and Kadroya were killed. A lot of people, they hear an envoy of Kadroya and Rodella, and they take that to mean two envoys, one of each. But it was one. An envoy born of both. Rodella had a heart, and... So did Kadroya. The labyrinth has a heart too. There's another story too. This is the one that the jackals tell themselves of a heart fleeing through the maze and Karnim Daker and the warriors that followed him catching it. They trapped it and they fed on it and doing so they earned themselves a piece of the remnant's power. They tell it as if it was a dark day to protect, embrace and the people in it. And I'm not going to dispute that, maybe it was necessary, but the thing that was lost, the thing that has been forgotten, is that they were only partially right about catching the heart. Have you ever tried to catch a newt or a salamander? You think I spent my childhood chasing newts? Most of us do. Well, I'm not like most of you then. The thing you learn is to never grab them by the tail. They've got an ability to just shed it, and the rest of them will run on, and all you're left for your chase is this abandoned bit of flesh. That's the heart that the jackals have been feasting on, an abandoned bit of the envoy. Winter's Lodge is the rest of it. The gall is the rest of that envoy. 
the envoy that is both Rodella and Kadroya. And wherever that is now, it needs protecting. And you didn't tell me all this before I went there. You didn't give me the chance. I think you were worried that because I'm a jackal, I would try and destroy it. That is your way. What makes you think it isn't anymore? I don't know that. I don't know what you're going to do with the goal. I don't know why it entrusted itself to you. I don't know why Mel seems to have done the same. Maybe you'll destroy it and maybe, I don't know, maybe that's fine. Maybe that's better than anyone else getting their hands on it. But you know that that's not what I want and you know that's not what the people who call this place their home want. I didn't tell you it then because I didn't think you would listen. I'm not even sure whether you're fully listening now, but hopefully some of this will get through to you. Do you have any thoughts about what you're going to do with it? I think I think Oaken will reflexively tell them that it's none of their business. But after thinking for a second, I, no, I don't know. I think everyone probably resisted saying, like, this is my home. <laughs> um, no, I, I think they kind of bite their tongue. This is not having a go. <laughs> <laughs> Just know that the goal, winter, whatever you want to call it, has great power. And there are things that covet it because it will give them the power to rebuild this city. For whatever reason, has given you the power to decide what to do with it. I'm trying to work out like what everyone knows of Mel here, because it, I guess mm. it's very apparent that Mel has just lost all of her bodies and power. Mm-mm. Does Oaken mention Mel, or does everyone just kind of read it? I think a presence that's so large in the lodge suddenly disappearing will be felt yeah in some way i guess everyone is also a weaver as well so there's maybe a degree to which they can sort of sense the presence of mel yeah here it is in my head fully that everyone knows that the goal is with you and it's just like i'm just gonna pretend that i don't yeah (laughs) what's what's Oka gonna do like bury it in the garden or something yeah yeah I think everyone says, perhaps Mel gave you that power, gave you the goal because she wants you to rule, or perhaps she wants you to choose her or someone else to be the ruler of this city. In all of your time, Oaken, how many rulers have you seen? How many of them have you seen fail? All of them fail. And what happens when they fail? You you choose a new ruler, right? Yeah, a new ruler to fail in a slightly different way. That's the problem. You look on a failing ruler and you tell yourself that the problem is that ruler. There was a flaw in their character or in the decisions that they made. But you don't see that the problem is the rulers themselves, that they should not have that authority. Mel means for you to play kingmaker. 
and there will be many that come to try and convince you to give them your power. Your family head, Valor, I'm sure, will reach out to you if she gets a sense of what you've done down here. Those revolutionaries inside Boktiv Dane, they will use you if they get half the chance. <laughs> like you used me. I've not used you yet. All I ask for is that at the end of this, I still have a home and a place to home of us. Maybe you will have to pick someone or another. I just hope that you pick the right person. And you don't just pick the first person that orders it. I don't know you very well. But I know enough of your legends. I know enough of the rumours that surround you to know that you don't always make the best choices. I'm really tempted to just have Oaken thank everyone for their help and leave. Mm. <laughs> Closing the door behind them. I think that's very fair. Like, yeah, I feel like there's a degree to what everyone is doing here is, do you know that thing where, like, a teacher or a coach or someone just really cuts at something, yes. knowing that you'll be really angry right now, but maybe it will sink in? Yes, and I think that's the reason why Oaken isn't arguing, is that everyone has this kind of authority in this situation somehow, some kind of odd social authority. And Oaken has been trained very well not to talk back to authority. Yeah. I guess my question is, does Oaken get to leave in this scene? Or does everyone pick up on the fact that Oaken is about to leave and do it first? Oh, oh no! I think I definitely have, like, everyone's next line, and then we can see which happens first then. Which is like, we all make mistakes, but don't let other people choose your path for you. And is that the point where they leave? Yeah, if Oaken doesn't, yeah. Because Oaken is about to start crying. <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone thinks about, like, touching you on the shoulder as you start to look like you're crying, and then it's like, actually, maybe not. <laughs> That's such a fucking thing to say to Oaken. Every single choice he has made, which haven't been many, they've been bad ones. And he, he doesn't know how to live without being told what to do, so it's, it feels like a very, just just be happy. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, from everyone's perspective, the gamble is, like, if Valor or Lilium or Boktiv Dane or someone else gets to, like, choose what you do with this power, it's going to be bad. And the gamble is maybe, like, maybe the Jubilant maybe can help you before that bad future happens. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. If you're worried about somebody making bad decisions, put them in with a Jubilant maybe. <laughs> That will solve the problem. <laughs> Professional decision making. <laughs> yes, it's it's a bit like well, if Oaken, if you let someone else decide this, it will be bad, and if you decide this, it will be bad. But you should decide this, but make a good decision. <laughs> it's like okay, I'll just do that. I feel like the decision that everyone would make that they're kind of disclaiming here is like almost let us build a communal form of power with it, but. I don't think Oaken could even conceive of what that would mean. Imagine just an anarchist walking up to Oaken being like, what if you just let us all oh, decide no. what to do with it 
together collectively i can be like what what do you mean you can't do that then who's in charge <laughs> we all are no one's in charge but then who makes the rules i think maybe everyone i like the the idea of like everyone leaving and just being like when you're ready portents made dumplings today they're really good and just leave you in in this tower i guess I feel like Oaken kind of needs to sit with this a bit because it's. I don't think he would take it very well. What's just happened? Just mope like a teenager for a while. Like, I don't want dumplings. I don't <laughs> want dinner. Yeah. Um. So where did we leave the rest of you? You just found another way into the lodge, right? Yeah, the miners had come to let us know. Yeah. Yeah, I think you'd found out a little bit about all of the forces arrayed outside. Like, you'd seen all of the provenders. I think Roan and that group had seen the hot springs and the worms. And I think it was Rian, actually, wasn't it? Rian had gone that way and been like, yeah. I'm, I'm not fighting those. And, yeah, I think the the few Bismuth bands that are still around came back and said that there's a another way in. Maybe as you're walking through these tunnels towards the Winter's Lodge... There seems to be a strange snowfall. And as you continue getting closer and closer, the snowfall gets heavier. And maybe one of you reaches out to, like, catch snow as you do. And the thing that happens is it just passes straight through you. And you feel, like, a sense of static. And as you watch them, they just pass through whatever objects are in their way, they go through like floors and ceilings. But it's always there. The the snow is always here. I mean you say as you do, but those of us who've been in Embrace our entire lives have never seen snow. That's true. For all we know, this is just how snow works. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Embrace has had snow in the past, just not very much of it. It's one of those things where it's like once every five years or decade or something and everyone's like, whoa, what is this? It's like hail, but soft and gentle. Except you're getting weird static every time it touches you, which I imagine is very strange. I mean, we're in the cart, so strange things happen all the time. This is just a, a new one that I don't think I've seen before. Yeah. How are you all doing right now? Not good. So much stress. Yeah, not not great. A little bit stressed. Uh... As a reminder, what stress and harm does everyone is everyone at at the minute? I'm at seven stress. I've got two left. I'm at four stress. Already, again, I'm bruised and my spirit is vibrant. Mm -hmm. I'm at seven stress with no harm at the moment, but I feel like harm is coming my way. <laughs> uh, also seven stress and still cut from the first score. We're doing great. Okay. I think as you continue to press on, as this snow gets a little bit heavier and as you get closer and closer to the centre of the Winter's Lodge. I imagine this space starts to coalesce from something more abstract, sort of rooms at weird angles and that have no doors or like 20 doors or, you know, it's like someone's procedurally generated a building and none of it makes sense to for like a human to walk through the space. And as you get closer to the centre, it becomes more habitable and makes more sense. And it's like, oh, this is a room with doors leading out of it and the doors are the right size for humans and everything is the right way up i'll ignore that the light is glowing black 
you know, we've got 9 out of 10, it's good, it's fine, this is starting to feel like a real place as you get closer. And maybe we have a moment where you sort of open a set of doors and you're hit with the smell of some dumplings and stew cooking from further down the corridor and you're in a space like an entrance hallway feeling space that is like warm, there's a fire going, there are a couple of people milling about to look at you as you kind of enter. And we see you all sort of collectively sigh as like everyone starts to like spread out through the space and just drop their bags and drop what they're carrying as you get a feeling that you've arrived at the Winter's Lodge. What are people doing? Are you just waiting for someone to show up or are you looking for someone? I think kind of actively waiting, positioning Mm. myself prominently in the room, but not like going looking for whoever's in charge because I think we will have been briefed enough about the Winter's Lodge to be like, I will get lost immediately. I like the idea that Ezra is actually like stood in front of like the reception desk huffing and clearing their throat constantly (laughs) (laughs) waiting to get attention from somebody. Ash goes and gets lost immediately. Actually, no. No, you know what? Ignore that. (laughs) Absolutely not. I think Ash, like, tentatively raises, like, one foot an inch from the floor and Ezra is immediately turned around and glaring at him, being like, where are you going? I'm, I'm just going to have a look around. It's get the get the lay of the land. Absolutely not. You're going to stand right there with your hands in your pockets and you're going to not touch anything and you're going to not go anywhere. Is what you're going to do, <laughs> isn't it? I think after a little while, you, you see, like, someone, like, run off as if to get someone. I think the sense you get from this space is like, while it's welcoming, people seem to be rushing around as if there's something happening. You assume it's probably got something to do with the provenders and worms outside of this space, but people seem to be very busy and focused. I think after a couple of minutes, though, the person that rushed off comes back and I think they bring someone that looks like they're one of the weavers that works in this space. I don't think it's Evron because I kind of feel like everyone is probably with Oaken or Busy right now. I'm trying to think what this person could be like. I think they're a ghost. Anyone got any ideas? Antlers. Antlers is good. Can the antlers have, mm. um, like, tangles of spirit in them? Yes, yeah. They kind of just grab bits as they walk around. Yeah. I like the idea that they're... Maybe, like, they're very tall, or, like, their spirit is very tall, at least. Like, they're, like, eight or nine feet tall, and they kind of have to lean as they're walking around. I don't think they would have been this tall in life, but I think there's something about their spirit that this is, like, their tell, I guess. They duck to go through doorways, but the antlers don't duck far enough, so the antlers are sort of passing through the the roof. Yeah. It's probably very annoying for them, because there's probably bits of the cut where they would get stuck and bits of the cut where they wouldn't. And it's like, I have to duck, but I'm never quite sure whether it, I'm just going to clip through anyway. Yeah. Hello. Who are you all? With a um. Right, Ash, fr- no, try that again. Friends? Well, we're friends. Hi. Um, we're friends of Oaken. No, wait. No. Fan- fantastic. You know no, what? We're not, look, um... Never mind that. Is Boktivir. Um... Make a sway roll, I think. <laughs> okay. Or, like, make a roll. It, it could be consort as well. 
I just want to get a feel for like how much you're going to have to convince this person. Like you've just turned up with, I guess, like a hundred people on the doorstep of the lodge. I'm I'm going with consort rather than sway because I'm trying to be like, oh, I know who's here. I I know what goes on here. Yeah, that makes sense. Open and friendly, isn't it? Yeah. Or as as friendly as Ezra gets, at least. Rude. Ezra's very friendly to not you. <laughs> oh. That's a six. Yeah, I think I don't necessarily want to dwell too much on like the conversation with this person. But I think between you and Roan, you, you kind of manage to explain who you all are and what you're doing here. And I think when you start asking about like I'm assuming Boktiv and the various revolutionaries, you've probably got a list of names, right? He tells you that most of them are here. Do you mention Oaken? Probably only towards the end of this conversation. Yeah, I think he says that, like, Oaken is tier two. I didn't think he'd have any friends. Oh, we're acquaintances. Is he around? I can't believe we found him. Ezra, we, we found him. Well, not until he's literally in front of me. We haven't, but close enough. I think everyone was with him a little while ago. Should, should we name this person? Yeah. What, what, what's a good name for someone? Ido? Yeah, I like that. I think Ido starts to maybe kind of direct you towards the hall where, where like, the, there's food being served and stuff like that. It's like, okay, if you head down that way and get set up, we'll make sure that you're all fed. And apologies for the lack of a better greeting. I don't know whether you know what's happening out there. Well, we walked through a bit of it and it didn't look grand. Hmm. I will try and find everyone. And maybe we should have a conversation. And I think Ido heads off and you're kind of left with some of the other people who, I imagine, lead you into the main hall and, you know, sit you down and start giving you food and all of that stuff. I imagine at some point, everyone comes back with a couple of the other members of the Winter's Lodge. And there's probably a point where you're all kind of filled in with what's happening here. Mm. There's probably, you know, the Jubilant may be here, there's Roan, there's maybe a few others from that group. Maybe even like Boktiv is here as well. At, at some point in this, in the, the conversation, when they're explaining about all the, all the crap that's happening, Ash can't help but just say... So, what what can we do to help? We're here now, we might as well. I, I think everyone's like, I don't know. <laughs> cool. <laughs> there's, there's probably like a lot of dissenting opinions in this group about like whether it's best to try and like protect this place, whether it's best to try and flee. There are some people here, there are the weavers, there are the revolutionaries, but like neither of those groups are particularly ready for a fight. Like, the weavers are probably the best equipped alongside the goal to defend itself, but I think when we get there, a part of this is going to be, like, what score you do. I mean, if you've got trouble with envoys, why don't you just call the jackals and get them to come and help? Alright, that might be enough from you today, Ash. Thank what? you. That's, that's, like, that's... their whole thing. That's what they do, right? They protect people from... Oh, we'll just we'll just get the swifts down mm. while we're here. Why not? Yeah, that's, just that's that's different. Bring everyone in. 
I guess Ivar would know this, but like the jackals don't tend to deal with envoys in embrace. It's the shepherds who Ivar used to be a part of. Does Ivar say anything? I think maybe in the sense of he, he just looks around and just says, them jackals too busy uh, dealing with all the big ones they are. They don't worry about the little envoys, see? They're more interested in the remnants, and we ain't got any around here, so... I just imagine both Rian and Ivar have both refused to sit down and are just stood kind of <laughs> hands on their hips at the edge of the room and like Rian looks at Ivar and is like, what do you reckon? Is there enough about this lot to help us fend them off? Oh, I think there's a few surprises left in this lot. I think it's maybe Ido is like, as much as I'd want to defend our home, I think the people here come first. Don't get me wrong, I, I, I don't disagree with you, but uh, we can do both. I don't see why not. Get them out as need getting out, but we're here now. What's, what's one more day making bad choices in the cut? Why not? I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm getting pretty sick of running away from fights. Or said that I'm on fire, huh? <laughs> I think Ezra laughs at that, like, claps Ash on the shoulder. He's like, I have yet to see you run from one, Ash, but I appreciate the sentiment. Th that's the problem. I keep getting told to run run away from them. Oh, imagine the day you listen to me. So, we're going to go fight an envoy then? Is that what you say? We'll think about it. Ash just rolls his eyes and sort of turns away slightly. Mm. I think, like, Rian probably perks up his like. Sounds like a finer plan as any. Some of us fight it, and some of us shepherd the people out. And, like, maybe at this point she she's literally just got one of her spirit guns out and is, like, tidying it up a bit. And it's probably, like, the thing to be aware of, lad, is when it comes to fighting an envoy, it's not about defeating them or killing them. If we're going to go do this, it's holding them off. I don't think we got enough preparation to take this thing on head on. And she like looks at Ivar like, does Ivar agree? I think Ivar does that thing where he sort of puts both his hands out to the side and goes, mm. <laughs> <laughs> forget a shot. I'm going to take it, but we should be prepared to hit and run if we need to. That's all right. Ash is really good at running now. Hi. <laughs> looks like he's got some legs on him. Am I missing something here? Why are you two talking like you've done this before? He didn't tell you he was a shepherd. Would 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 Ash know what a shepherd is? As somebody who has the the sort of jackal sticker book. Yeah, like I there's a degree to which like the jackals are the big famous remnant killing organization in the city. But like I imagine it's a bit like having a large corporate headquarters in your city, right? Like the jackals don't necessarily care about embrace that much. They are very externally focused and the city has just kind of grown around them. Whereas the shepherds are the people who do the more day-to-day -day stuff. But I think the full name is the shepherds of the royal. And they are the people in the city that defend this place. They probably erect abstract barriers that keep remnants out. They hunt for signs of envoys through the city and all of that kind of stuff. Okay, so I should definitely know what they are. Uh, just before you react, I think, as soon as um, Rian says that, Ivar, like, looks towards Ash and 
tips his hat. <laughs> Just jaw drops. Like, what? I thought, why didn't you tell me about this? Because I knew exactly what was about to happen. <laughs> You've got to tell me everything. You've what? I, I, I how have you have you ever killed an envoy? Have I ever killed an envoy? <laughs> have you ever killed an envoy? <laughs> I mean, the answer you give Ash doesn't necessarily have to be true. Oh yeah, that's better. That that's better. Okay. Uh, I think a few, you know, but uh, obviously didn't do too good considering I'm dead now. We um, we should probably talk about this later. I think. I get the feeling there's more important things going on, but we have to talk about this, please. All of this is like twenty person meeting. It's just <laughs> waiting patiently for this conversation to end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just to finish on that, Ivor uh, pats Ash on the shoulder and just says, "You listen to Ezra, and I'll answer all your questions after." All right. Ezra is just mouthing "thank you" across the room. <laughs> so I think this is where Oaken walks in, right? Who sees who's first? I think it's plausible that Ezra would spot Oaken first, because I think they're sort of zoned out of this meeting. They hate all of this, and also this is very much like Ivar's area of expertise, so it's quite nice to be able to just like, eh, Ivar can handle this. Mm. I'm just going to thousand-yard stare at the wall and disassociate briefly. Just occasionally, like, looking over at Boktiv and, like, frowning. Yeah, just just frowning and staring. Where's where's Nia's mind in all of this? Because, like, in terms of people who aren't paying attention to the meeting, I can imagine... No, I was about to say a similar thing. Um, but since they're kind of noticing the spirit world more, I was wondering what this place looks like, especially mm. since it's under, a tra- under attack and there are a whole bunch of weavers doing things. Yeah, I think this space, as it is, feels like one of the most fixed spaces in the Winter's Lodge. I think it's a thing you've noticed about all of, like, the living areas where people are. I imagine that's only, like, 10% of this big, strange, not-quite-a-building. And this hall is, like, when you walked in, it feels a lot more concrete than the rest of it. It feels like being not in the cut. Mm. And I think as you've been looking around, it's probably quite empty at the minute, because I think a lot of people are doing other things. But there's maybe, like, flashes in your consciousness of, like, feeling as, like, I imagine some weavers do some stuff, like, both in this room and outside of the room. And maybe in some ways you're the first person to notice Oaken walk in out of this group, then, if you're paying attention to all of this, because I think as you're sat here looking around and watching stuff, you maybe notice that the static is all flowing almost horizontally suddenly. And it's, like, flowing towards one of the corridors. It doesn't, like, change to, like, go down the actual corridor. It doesn't care about the walls or anything, but it's all heading in that direction. And I think, like, as you look up, you see the reason why. It's because Oaken is walking in and all of the snow is flowing to him. What do you do? My instinct would be just to go and hand him a plate of dumplings. But, I mean, probably it is to go and is to, like, elbow Ezra. Because Ezra's been so worried. Um, I can totally imagine Nia being, like, not even as a dig, just like, wow, you look awful. (laughs) (laughs) You look dreadful. I'm going to go hug him. Aww. I'm going to hug Oaken. What kind of hug is this? Is this just, like, 
big thoughtless like get in here hug or i think it's like you know when you haven't seen like a distant ant for a long time and they do that thing where they like take your face and just like tilt you around to like check all the angles <laughs> just to so mm. see how much you've grown whether you're eating right you know that sort of thing yeah and then once they're satisfied that it is oaken and he is at least alive then it's like a bone breaking kind of i thought you died and it was my fault hug Aww. i think after a few seconds of shock oaken will sink into it Emotional connection. Just immediately <laughs> ruined by Ash running over and just jumping on both <laughs> yeah. of your backs yes. at the same time. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, can I, I? I knew you were alive. I knew you were alive. Uh, I don't think I don't think Ezra did, but they, they were really worried about you. Don't do that again. Where have you been? What's what's going on? How how come you're down here? Why is all the snow coming to? All right, all right, all right. Ash, stop it. Give give the man a minute. Okay, but hi, hi. How's it going? Um. Yeah, sorry, okay. I can't believe you all came all this way just to find me. I mean, we didn't exactly come to find you. It was, uh, it's a nice kind of surprise. Ezra just <laughs> elbowing Ash. Yeah, no, but we did. We were definitely looking for... Ezra, Ezra just, like, pushes Ash further away. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, grabs Oaken's face again to, like, make direct eye contact. Is like, if you ever do that to me again... I will break every bone in your body. I am glad you're okay. That's the nicest threat anyone's ever gave him. <laughs> I was just going to ask what Ivar is doing in all of this. I think Ivar's happy that Ezra's happy. <laughs> but I think that's it. I think to Ivar, Oaken is still the lad from the box. <laughs> Does he even get up? Uh, you get a hat. You get a hat tip. <laughs> oh. yes. That's Ivar's way of hugging. Send an eye over. <laughs> I think like the beautiful moment of threatening reunion ends. Ezra's just like, "Where the fuck have you been?" Well, I'm not entirely sure where I was for most of it. But mm -hmm. I've been here. Right. Like, in the lodge. Right. And didn't think to mention that. Well, I, I kind of thought you were all dead. Or at least ravaged by time <laughs> to a point where you were unrecognisable. But I'm really glad you're not. <laughs> I think that might be the breaking point for Ezra. They have to sit on the floor. They're laughing so hard. <laughs> I can't process this at all. <laughs> From the new perspective on the floor, Ezra is just going to point at Oaken's honey arm and be like, what? Oh, yeah, I've got a new arm. What happened? Ash, look at this. Look at my arm. <laughs> Whoa. Is that... Why? I mean, do you really need three? <laughs> Good job Nilka didn't hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> is it hard to... Two, three at once? Like, what if you just got it instead of one of the other ones? I don't imagine how anyone could fight with only two arms. See, now, Ash, I can show you all the advanced moves. Oh, that's why it went so wrong before. That's why you were getting beaten up, because you didn't have a, a, another arm, right? <laughs> well, 
I mean, in a, in a certain way, I, I feel that... That makes so much sense. That's <laughs> just going to try and rescue Oaken by silently passing their cigarette up to him from the floor. Oh, nice. Oaken will take a token and start coughing. <laughs> it's not as refined as the cigarettes that you're used to. No, I'm used to like the very long cigarette holders, so the smoke is nice and cool by the time it gets here. So I get the sense... If everyone is happy to call the scene here, that we're yeah. probably moving to like a small amount of downtime, and it's definitely like a you're at war downtime, as I imagine it's you all working out what your plans are for the next score, and you know getting whatever respite you can in the next hour or two before the siege kind of kicks into its next gear. Just just for clarity, who are we at war with in this case? I mean, there are other factions involved, but the one you know about in particular is Lilium, the envoy, who oh, has been goody. down in this maze since the death of Kadroya. And I think interwoven in all of them are a faction called Our Sweet Jorants, which is kind of the group of people formed by members of the Umbral Provenders, members of the ministers, and probably some other important people in the city. And then there's just, like, various associated people that serve Lilium, like the Ghosts of Winter's Yule. So it's all of those. It's up to you what you want to achieve in that, like, whether you're going to try fight them off, which seems unlikely. But, you know, if that's the way that you think the Jubilant would handle it, let's go for that. It could be that you're more focused on getting the people out. It could be that you're trying to get the goal to a place of safety. Like, it's entirely up to you. I think Ash just... So why can't we just move it somewhere else? This gold thing, why don't we just take it and hide it somewhere else? Because obviously they know this place, but if we can... I mean, I don't know how these things work. I reckon if they can find it here, Ash, they can find it pretty much anywhere. I think everyone would probably say something to the effect of, we, we could try to move it. It's not been done before very often, but every now and again we have had to, we've had to move it. It's hard to hide this entire space is always around it but if it's needed i could try and carry it somewhere new everyone deliberately avoiding eye contact with oaken as they lie hey nia you've got a move right yeah that is very true oh shit i always forget about that one everyone's lying oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't know whether you could tell whether something is like a white lie or just a lie or whether they all just kind of read the same, and that requires Nia to form their own opinion. Could try and find out by attuning to Everon's thoughts. It's up to you. Do you want to try and do that? It's. I, th- I think it's only worked once before, so might as well. Okay. I think that's just going to be an attune roll. So I think we describe this as being almost like weaving, and that is a six. So I think it's less reading directly what everyone's thoughts are, but I think both through your own like intuition when you pick up on this lie and by watching and reading like the strings of spirit and emotion, you can tell that everyone is connected to Oaken in some way. Like, I think there's just... Almost like some very obvious tendrils of spirit connecting the both of them, as if they're tied together and implicated in the fate of this thing. Everon, is it something that 
like just you on your own would be able to like take a gall and go far away or because it feels like you might need the help of a very specific other person i think there is a sense of like people listening to this conversation Boktiv Dane, who is here, who is like one of the revolutionaries who has been hiding out here, I think is listening intently. I think everyone sort of almost pretends a little bit too much to be relaxed. And it's like, it depends what we want to do. I could carry it on my own, but I'm not sure what it would do to me. I think when it's been moved before, it has been done slowly with a team of weavers and others like them. Those who have had close connections with remnants and envoys before, they they would be best if we wanted to to move this thing quickly. And yeah, they are obviously trying to be like, oh yes, Oaken would be a good person <laughs> to help without actually saying that. Yeah. But I think that's gonna be the hard choice in whatever decision you make here is like if your choice is to try and distract or fend off the envoys, while also maybe getting like the goal and the people to safety, the goal is very much firmly attached to Oaken at the minute. And I'm just laying that on the table. He was still... I, I think he's made some progress, but he's definitely not a sneak-away-quietly kind of guy. How long does Oaken think he could get away with pretending he doesn't have it when a literal building will follow him around? Well, well, well already fucking everyone's <laughs> given it all away, so obviously all the five fucking minutes. What if we used Oaken as like a, um, uh, what's it, bait? Mm. Dangle him on a stick. We just totally move all of Winter's Lodge and then when everyone turns up to get the goal, the whole thing is empty except for Oaken lounging in a throne being like, oh, I'm <laughs> expecting you. Beautiful. But yeah, wherever Oaken goes, at the minute at least, it will be the Winter's Lodge. That's how you get out of the Winter's Lodge. You walk away from Oaken. <laughs> I feel like if everyone suggested to us, look, could you buy us some time to get everyone out by going and distracting the envoys, at the very least, Ivar would probably be like, yes. And if Ivar says yes, Ezra will say yes. So. Gonna shoot someone. <laughs> I don't know whether it's uh, Oaken or an envoy yet. <laughs> <laughs> but either way. Um, all right, I know we've talked this all to death and we've had this whole meeting and now Oaken's back and like. There's, there, but there's so much happening. Can someone, what are we doing? We're, uh, we're gonna kill an envoy and then run away or do that in a different order. I, I guess more fight an envoy, but you know, I have very little hopes of you killing it. Gonna try and kill an envoy. <laughs> No, no offense, but you're dead. Have you ever successfully killed an envoy before? Oh, lo loads of times. Rian behind you, just <laughs> shaking her head. <laughs> we just need to rough it up a bit and get out. All right. I mean, seems as good a plan as any. I um, I hate to bring this up, but what about? Kalena. 
You know what, Ash, I think we're in very firmly one problem at a time territory, so... I promise you I am keeping it in mind. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm happy not thinking about that for a while. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rian, like, are they a human? Um, probably, yeah. Well, then they'll be much easier to kill, then. Uh... <laughs> oh, oh, um... sorry, I, I didn't realise you were a relation. Uh, uh, he... I mean, it's not exactly happy families at the moment, but... um. Ash set her on fire. Yeah, I... Yeah, yeah. It was an accident. <laughs> she winks and is like, I'll aim for the legs. So I think let's do like the very quick downtime as you spend whatever little time you've got left. Um, should we pay off quickly before we get there? Because yeah. I guess you have technically yeah. just done a score. Turning up on everyone's doorstep and demanding some pocket money. <laughs> yes, trick-or-treating. I was going to say, do you get loot from this but i guess you probably do just because like roan and everyone have a load of supplies and maybe that's what you're tapping into here um so payoff you gain two rep per score by default if it's a higher tier than you then you take plus one rep i think you're about the same i think this was the score where you're fighting against winter's yawl and the death's defiant who are tier three so you will get four rep for that oh hell yeah and then in terms of coin, let's just give you maybe like four coin. I think that's just general supplies that you can make use of from helping Roan and everyone out. Like, I, I can definitely see Roan being like, anything you need, just let me know. We can only fit two more coin in the crew. I mean, I feel like you might spend it this downtime. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, we can spread it out amongst ourselves and then spend it. Yes. Yeah, I don't have any. I have zero. Any coin. Nope, me either. Okay. I have two. <laughs> All right, well, everyone but Ryan gets one. Okay. And then heat. Um, so zero is smooth and quiet, two is contained, four is loud and chaotic, six is wild. Um, so I don't know whether the heat, in terms of, like, when you get back to the city, like, what is relevant here. So I think, like, two heat makes sense to me. Oh, that's really close to another mm. one at level. Jeez. Was any killing involved? I don't think so. No. And you're not a war, so no, I think it's just too heat because you're doing everything. Like, the entire point of you being in here is that you can't really make that much noise. Two would be great, because three would be difficult. Mm -hmm. Super bad. I mean, being one away is still bad for the next bit, which is your entanglement. Have you got more than mm -hmm. six heat at the minute? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, so you roll your tier, and like, let's see what we get. You want to do the Alden's Ivar king for the day? Oh dear, oh dear, I don't know if I want that responsibility, but okay, what am I rolling? Your TS, I think that's 1d6. 1d6. Haha, -ha, 6. Oh, there we go. Wait, is that good or bad? It's it, it's bad. It's the it's a critical consequence. Oh no. Why? I do this I do this every time. People still keep asking me to do rolls for the for the crew. <laughs> Ryan! <laughs> An inspector presents a case file of evidence to a magistrate to begin prosecution of your crew. The bluecoats send a detail to arrest you. Pay them off with coin equal to your wanted level plus three, or hand someone over for arrest, or try to evade capture. Thinking about it, it's Altara Nimshif's next move, which was 
Altaro has already seen Nia's parents. I think their next contact that they can follow up on their next lead was the mask that Ash left during the score to kill Oaken. I fucking knew that was going to come back. So yeah, I think we get a very quick aside as Altara and Nimshif, um, flanked by a group of Swifts, raids the the Pinder family shop. Fuck. Who would put up the biggest fight? It's probably Mariana, my mum. I think we see Mariana being dragged away in handcuffs. And the rest of your family being questioned. Okay, cool. Well, if I if I didn't want to fight now, then uh, it's coming. Yep. Cool. And that is downtime. Or at least that, that's like the first bit of downtime. And then it's just downtime activities. Um, I don't necessarily want to spend a load of time focusing on stuff here unless you feel like it's really interesting. But everyone gets one action because you're at war. I'd love to relax. Can I can I just jump straight in with that previous, like, Ash and Roan having some time to really sit down and catch up? Like, they haven't seen each other for ages. And, like, my, my vice is family, right? Yeah, no, I like that. Is, is, there any, is there anything important that gets said in that conversation, or is it just saying basically nothing to each other before you realise you have to do this big, scary thing? Yeah, I think I think it's just that. It's just like telling him about how my family's been going and, you know, just laughing about the fact that I haven't quite been able to tell them about exactly what I've been up to in the revolution and all that. Yeah. I think maybe like Roan is probably sorting through stuff at the minute. Like they obviously grabbed a load of stuff when they fled and probably now they're like lightening their load and working out what's really useful here and directing people and you probably bring them over, like, a bowl of dumplings and stew, and yeah, you have this conversation. Do you want to make your roll? Uh, five. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, so I actually have a good conversation and managed to completely avoid talking about Galena, I think, is why that goes well. Nice. And that takes you down <laughs> to what? Two stress? D- down to two, yeah. Cool. And Ryan, I think you said something? Yeah, I think I just want to have a probably the first sit down and catch up with Rian. Mm. I feel like that makes most sense as a sort of addressing my stress. Like normally it would be spending time with, I guess, my pseudo family in Tales End. Yeah. But this is real family, so I guess it also works? Question mark? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, what, what do you say to Rian? How how do you open this conversation? I think in like true Ivar fashion, it's more also our things, you know, like yeah, asking about Rian, not even wanting to speak about himself. But I don't know whether it would be that Rian would bring up anything. I like to imagine that Rian is is also like Ivar and just be like, no, don't don't go asking that. That's not how we do things. What do we need to get done? And just, in the same way, just refuses to talk about feelings. <laughs> and it's, it's just, like, strategizing. I guess that's nice, yeah. And, the, like, Ivar made an attempt and then realized that nothing had really changed. And, yeah, just straight into, 
All right, so if we get these lots set up, you're ready to go, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and I guess the role maybe will tell us how Ivar feels about that, whether this is, like, a comfort or, like, Ivar actually did want to open up. Five and five, baby. Cool, so you get rid of five as well. Thank God for that. So, like, it sounds like this is a comforting conversation? Yeah, I think Ivar finds comfort in ignoring it. Yeah. But it's like, oh, it's exactly like as if we've not spent time apart. You know, it's just like it was before. And that is nice and comforting. Yeah. I like to imagine it's one of those relationships where you're like, if we really needed to, we would talk about how we felt, but we don't necessarily need to right now. And it's nice to be away from the people that would try and force you to open up. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we also get, like, a shot of Topaz coming and just sitting down between you, like, under the table, just, like, wrapped around your both of your feet. There's a little hump as she oh. lays down. What a good pal. Hmm. Okay, who wants to go next? Nia? So, I want to do two things. Okay. I really want to have Nia have some kind of conversation with a weaver. At some point. I don't know <laughs> if it's now, but it seems like now would be a good time while they're doing all their wards and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm on seven stress. And that's the thing that if I can't do two, I will just stay on seven stress. I'd like the idea of maybe maybe you go and start to watch some of these weavers that are doing the wards. And maybe at some point, like, Everon notices. And almost politely kind of ushers you away and starts talking to you about it. Because I think everyone would have picked up on your abilities. Yeah, he did literally read their mind <laughs> in public. <laughs> yeah. I think they may be like, so, so you've been able to sense things, right? Yeah. I mean, I always could sense something. But recently, I was able to burn... I'm not sure what. Spirit. Or something like it. All of our senses are somewhat unique. For some of us, we can see the strings that go between all things, and we can see people and ghosts as if they're great spools of emotion and threads of spirit. Mm. For you, that might be different. For some people, it's like a light. For some people, it's a taste or an aura or something else. If you speak to any weaver here, they'd probably give you a different sense of what it is that they do. Have you ever had anyone show you any of this? I don't think so. I mean, it would help to know a bit more about what's happening. I'm, I've just been doing what makes sense, but I don't know if it's the right thing. I think they maybe just lead you off somewhere to... It's probably like doing a form of warding similar to what the other weavers were doing, but almost showing you some like different moves and techniques and kind of demonstrating and getting you to follow, if that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe part of why this is an indulge vice is maybe everyone picks up on some of like the performance-related thing and almost shows you ways you can integrate that with it. I don't think this is like, you know, you're fully taught how to do this in this one hour or something. 
but like everyone picking up on like you almost like when you move your hands doing it in like a swishy fashion and they're like yeah you can do that okay do you want to make your roll yeah and gain your xp two sixes so you clear six stress i'm on one stress and with the xp that means that nia has a playbook advancement should we work out what that is between the sessions yeah but i think it will relate to weaving Mm, that's nice and so we've got ezra and oaken left who would like to go next i don't know that's got much to do oh it's just because you've got no stress i've not got much oh you've got the move which is communing with your patron as a downtime action and then you gain one temporary action dot in a skill. Like, that feels like it kind of ties into you trying to talk to the goal and stuff. Oh, actually, that is a good thing to do, yeah. Is it just Oaken almost practicing with the goal? Like, just walking around and getting a sense of how the lodge shifts? Oh, I did. I've had this image in my head of Oaken kind of using the third arm as a divining rod. Okay. But I don't know what for. Maybe it looks like Oaken attempting to deliberately make shifts in the lodge. Hmm. Yeah, because I almost, like, there's that thing of, like, if this was an action movie and we were watching Oaken, you could almost imagine Oaken using the lodge to, like, as he's doing his acrobatics and stuff, just, like, walls appearing where he needs them. Oh, yeah. And I don't think we're, we're, we're there yet, but, like, maybe during this next fight we might be. But, like, getting a sense of how this thing responds to him feels very useful. Depending on what skill you want might also shape this as well. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, it feels like Prowl will be most useful for what we're about to do. Yeah, so Prowl is... Um, about unseen and traversable obstacles, climbing, swimming, running, jumping and tumbling, ambushing with close violence, etc. Which feels very infitting. Yeah, what I imagined is maybe Oaken trying to um, collapse space to travel about the lodge differently. <laughs> you, know, you know it's Scooby-Doo when they're chasing a monster and there's a big hallway full of doors and they're just like going in and out of doors? Hmm. Like, crisscrossing all over. No, I think that sounds really good. Uh, so yeah, you take plus one prowl for the next score. Cool. And Ezra, what are you doing? Uh, if the fates are on my side, I'm finishing Oaken's mask. <laughs> <laughs> if this doesn't work out, you should definitely spend some crew money because it's too cool not to Yeah, have. thank you, friends. So this is the mask that you were making as a gift for Oaken? Have we described what this looks like? I think we did, didn't we? Yeah, it's like like a jackal snarling mouth. It goes around like the bottom half of your face. And it can bite ghosts? And it can bite ghosts. Yeah. Yes, correct. Cool. I'd actually forgotten about the last thing. It's just good enough on its own. And it's two of six? Yeah, I'm at two of six. Uh, what are you doing to do this? Are you, is, it, is this just you doing more tinkering? Um... I think this is setting up the binding so that it can bite ghosts. Okay. I think that's the difficult bit. I think like the f the physicality of carving the thing and putting the bismuth teeth in was like 
easy enough. Yeah. And this is more complicated. This is sort of towards the limits of the binding that Ezra is capable of. This is one of the more complicated things that they've done. Okay. So are you rolling a tune? Yeah, I think this one is probably in a tune. And I saw in our chat that Nia might help. If Nia is learning weaving, yeah, and they notice that Ezra is doing binding, which is not weaving, but within kind of the same wheelhouse that they would maybe come and, and watch, and I can see them kind of having a conversation over that. Do we see Nia almost a little bit like Ash here, like still very excited, or do they have like do they bring a different energy? Because we've not really seen Nia excited before, and I'm kind of interested if this like learning weaving is that. Or do they still have their cool? I think that this one, like, I think there is a buzz of excitement, but also a concern that Ezra doesn't have style. <laughs> brutal. Okay. Savage. And Wrecked. Absolutely brutal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think it's a buzz of excitement asking about the binding and how the spirit works, but also trying to gently, if there are any aesthetic choices, uh, guide Ezra. Ezra will be ignoring some thank you and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, well, thank you for that very ostentatious advice. I'll bear that in mind. Okay. Do you want to make your roll? And you gain plus one from Nia helping. And I think, Nia, you take a stress for doing okay. that. That's a five. Cool. Uh, so you get to tick two. Can I spend some coin? Yeah, you could spend coin to increase it twice, or you could also spend a coin to just do another roll, which might, I think, is slightly better. I will spend one coin to do another roll. I, I like the idea that maybe there's something you're lacking. Mm. Maybe there's some kind of material you're lacking for for making this bite ghosts. And I think, like, <laughs> I like the idea that, like, Roan pitches in with this. Sorry, I just had a vision of Ezra carrying it over to Ivor and be like, Ivor, hold still, I need to test something. <laughs> I was going more to a consort, but you know, like, you could also just test it on Ivor. Ivor, I just, I just need a bit of your arm. Ivor, uh, not probably understanding what it is, just is like, all right. Patch you up later. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll fix him. Don't worry about it. That's a six, baby. Cool. So you get to mark it three times. Hey. So you have Oaken's jaws. Do we do we end today with the scene of you kind of handing them over? Is that where we close? Once I can find Oaken doing his Scooby-Doo corridor trick. <laughs> where do I find Oaken? I think Oaken's, uh, I don't know, probably perched on <laughs> like a railing somewhere overlooking the lodge. Maybe back up in the tower he made. Right, yeah, I guess having looked everywhere else and found no sign of Oaken, maybe Ezra notices the tower is like, ah, all right, let's try up there. And I think probably gets all the way to the top a little bit out of breath and is like, is, uh, is this what it looks like then? Like inside and that, is this, I've never been in, obviously. This is what it looked like by the end. I used to, I used to have like a my, my tapestry over there, and and I had a four poster bed. I had the uh, most expensive rugs you can get, but 
this this is what it looked like by the end. Huh. How come there's one in Winter's Lodge? Uh, Does that not seem a bit weird? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that strange? But you know how it is with envoys, right? I honestly don't know, but... Um, well, I do. You know what? Not even top five weirdest things that's happened to me this week, so I'm going to let it slide because I, I don't have another option at this point. Um, why didn't they give you any furniture? It, like, there's no chairs or anything. Who needs furniture? Not some pampered noble who needs a soft cushion, needs space to train. You are all of those things. <laughs> but then, like, kind of playfully punches him in the arm a little bit and is like, but you're all right. Well, you, you too, I guess. Does Oaken still have the jackal mask that Ezra stole from the pub? I I think probably not, but not by... He's not abandoned it. It just got lost. Yeah. All right. So I think they're like, oh, did you lose another mask? Yeah, I, I did. I, I really... I meant to hold on to it. I, I did appreciate the thought. You know what? We had other stuff going on. Also, and I cannot stress this enough, pretty sure it were made of plaster of Paris, so oh. <laughs> not a great loss. Um, and then looks like a little bit embarrassed and just kind of tosses over like a sackcloth that kind of thunks next to him and is like, try, try that on instead. What's this? I think I'll pull out the mask and gasp involuntarily. As, uh, I mean, I know it's not what they normally look like, but, um, I mean, I weren't sure if you actually are a jackal anymore or not, so... You know what, Ezra, I'm not sure if I am either, but this has a, a rustic charm to it. That... Ezra closes their eyes and very visibly moves their mouth to count to ten silently to themselves and then leans on the balcony next to Oaken to light up a smoke and is like, it can bite ghosts. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, don't know if your other mask could do that, but that it can, so... No, it could not. Rustically, I imagine. If it gets the job done, I suppose. Will you... Will you... Help me put it on. Ezra will help Oak and put the mask on. Is this a sweet moment or is it like some sort of sensual moment? Absolutely not, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a bit of Oak and being like, that hug felt nice. Maybe Ezra standing near me will feel nice kind of thing. Fan fiction writers, start your engines. <laughs> Steven, no. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they, like, put out their cigarette or get too close or anything, but I think they lean over a bit to kind of put it on and, I guess, adjust it to, like, fit properly. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's, it's like, a tender moment, but it is sweet. It's sweet but awkward, I think, right? Yeah. And then kind of, like, tilts Oaken's face up just with one hand. It's like, right, you look decently intimidating, I think. You say that like I wasn't before. 
And so just pats him on the cheek. <laughs> I'm going gonna, gonna to do their hero pose. Hands on hips. <laughs> Ezra laughs at it, but like does a little golf clap. <laughs> Ready for anything. We'll have to be. And then with the world's longest, weariest sighs, like... Let's go fight an envoy.